Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. For football people who like football, here come two words for you. Purple Live. This is Purple Live with Matthew Collar. All right, welcome into Purple Live. Matthew Collar along with ESPN reporter Courtney Cronin. Uh, You can always join in on the show. 651-646-8255. That is 651-646-8255. 8255, get your thoughts on the Minnesota Vikings loss to New Orleans Saints or to their upcoming game about the Detroit Lions. Later on, Manny will have some questions for the week as uh, they start to practice again tomorrow. Also at 6.30, we will have Vikings safety Anthony Harris, who got quite a bit of playing time against the New Orleans Saints on Sunday. And my question for you today, if you're going to call in, here's a place for you to start, is where do you stand in the now great Kirk Cousins debate. Are you annoyed with Kirk Cousins after what happened the other night? Are you not blaming him at all for any of the things that have happened for this team to have more not wins than last year? I can't say more losses, but they now have more not wins than (laughs) they did last season. Are you frustrated with him? Are you frustrated with the team for spending the money they did on him? Or are you feeling like they are in a great spot with him as their quarterback and it's really other issues for why they are not top of the NFC? Um, Courtney, after a couple days to reflect on Sunday's game, and I I watched the the film back, I know you do the same thing, what was your ultimate takeaway about the way Kirk Cousins performed against the Saints? Well, I'll take it back a little one step further. My ultimate takeaway from that game is that the Thielen fumble didn't have to be the dagger. It was in that very moment, but it didn't have to be. And I think with Cousins, you know, he played well throughout the first half. And then it was that one mistake I think had everybody shook, really. They they come out in the second half, in the third quarter, and you see that first series, the near interception by Manti Teow, the not really smart fourth and one from your own 45 pass to Laquan Treadwell. I mean, we were talking about this in-game. It wasn't exactly a great pass. It was a bad read to begin with, considering Marshawn Lattimore's on him. So, I mean, just kind of decision things like that. And when you watch it back, he's got Aldrick Robinson underneath who's open. I believe Thielen was open as well. Um, they were just some, I mean, it's just kind of the same, a lot of everything. I don't think Kirk lost in that game necessarily because you have two big, big, big mistakes by your two top players, which just cannot happen. And I also think that that's why it's not, I don't think that the the freak out mode for me at least I'm not 
chalking this thing up as the worst loss that they've had because those are things you get over. Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs don't typically and they won't continue to make mistakes like that. But I do think there are some concerns with Kirk Cousins that people, I don't know why, um, there's a, there's a good portion of this fan base that just doesn't want to hear it. Uh, eight games into his career, he's got really good numbers. He's got good pro football focus grades. He has cool. a good quarterback rating. And there still is, though, almost each week, something that makes you wonder about whether he can win that big game. And then... Yes, Stefan Diggs stops on that route, but also when I look back at the tape, you see Kirk Cousins doesn't really look at where he's throwing the ball. No, I mean, his eyes. He doesn't I mean, see his receiver. The the corner, whoever was with him, um, or yeah, was, sorry, P.J. Williams, the guy they picked apart in the first half, um, he continues going, and it's like Kirk didn't see Diggs stop. I don't think that that's what, and, and that's kind of what we got to um, in post game where he wouldn't address that part. Did you see him stop? Because I don't think he did. I think that he honestly thought he was going to keep going, that mm-hmm. he would have been able to do what he's done all season long up through the first eight games of the season, throw it to a spot, expect your guy to get there, particularly when you're in man coverage. So I, the question that it brings me to, and yeah, that, like that interception is now being put entirely on Diggs, and I don't think it is. I think it's on both of them. I think it's Diggs for trying to make a play, which is what he has done with Kirk Cousins well on a couple of occasions. I remember a, a sideline pass, possibly against the Rams, where Cousins was rolling out and Diggs found some space. There was definitely one against Arizona. Same thing. He, it's the scramble drill. He's rolling out. And, I mean, Mike Zimmer wouldn't say on Monday that it was entirely Diggs' fault. So he was saying, well, we have the scramble drill, and then he went on about how he doesn't want people to take responsibility. But where I'm moving to in this conversation about Kirk Cousins is not as much on whether we think he is great or not great. Like We can leave that to TV people who have 30 seconds to spout out Kirk Cousins' opinions. But since we have a little more time, it's are the things around Kirk Cousins on this team, now that we know they're not trading for anyone, are they good enough to make up for some of these shortcomings? The shortcomings aren't going to disappear. They've been there the whole time. And we know that he can make really good throws and put up big numbers. But I think what ultimately determines where this team goes is how they play on defense and whether Delvin Cook comes back and if they can find a way to protect him, which I'm, I'm skeptical of. And that's where I get with this team in wondering if they can beat the best in the NFC is I'm not sure that they have enough around him to paint over some of those shortcomings that are not going anywhere. Receiver-wise, yes. Tight end-wise, I mean, they're not being able to use Kyle Rudolph the way that John Filippo and, I mean, the, the strategy that you would think would have been brought over from Philadelphia, that's that's not really your number three wide rec- your number three receiver at that point. Um, so I think that, that skill position-wise, they do. D- Dalvin is a good place to start. Why don't we go there? So because we can bring in the run game, we can bring in the offensive line. We knew the offensive line was going to be a problem. It was not going to get any better, regardless of injuries, and you have to move guys around. Maybe you find a better spot for so and so, you know, like for maybe Rashad Hill is better at left tackle, but that's not really the position you want to be in, having to rely on that for the rest of the season, considering this tough NFC North stretch they're about to face, starting with Detroit this weekend. Um, I think that once they do get Dalvin back, which, you know, is starting, and as I said, it's looking like the bye after the bye, which is week. 11 in Chicago, 
I think you can open things up more. I think you can actually have a screen game, establish it, and stick with it, unlike what you've been able to do so far where, you know, Latavius Murray gets, you know, how many how many passes? He had, like, um, he caught, yeah, he had five, actually, I think this might have been, like, a season high for him so far, five Pass five catches for thirty nine yards uh, in in that game this past weekend, which he's that's just not his role. Couple that's, were at the end. Yes, and I mean yeah. that's not that's not something that he that's not just a particular strength of his. I mean that's why you have and why you drafted a guy like Dalvin Cook. So you get him back; it's a different element of the offense you haven't been able to rely on. But can the offensive line hold up whenever that point is? If it is week eleven, you know, considering they faced a lot of injuries, you know, is Riley Reef going to be back? It just feels like with this team. Everything kind of needs to be perfect in order for it to be firing on all cylinders because we saw how good the offensive line was when it was playing against a really bad run defense, able to protect, get Murray out to the second level. But what happens when that competition is much, much, much better that you're going to face? I think there's, you know, in a way they've had to play with one hand tied behind their back because of the offensive line and I just think that this is as good as it's going to get. Okay, answer this for me. And uh, if you want to give us a phone call, you can answer this as well. 651-646-8255. 651-646-8255. The Vikings win the NFC North if what? Blank. NFC North, they win if they do this. Well, certainly. I mean, they've got to beat the Packers at home. That's that's where you start if you have a very easy tiebreaker that way. Um, they've got they they can't they can't split with Chicago. I think that they've got to win both of those games, and it's going to be tough to do just that's because home. of the way Chicago's playing right now. Um, and, and it, I had a conversation this morning. It could take. I mean, if it takes eight wins to win the NFC North, then that's a problem. I don't think that that's going to be the case. I think it could be it could be nine, nine and seven, nine six and one. If that's what the Vikings are, that could win you the division. I mean, that just shows you how good the NFC North is, and that it's a it's a, a division of the NFL that just cannibalizes itself week after week. But I think that you do that, and I think that you have to split with Detroit because Detroit is so tricky. I never pick them to to sweep the Lions, no matter how bad the Lions are playing during a, a certain stretch, like losing and getting torched by the Jets in the first you know part of the season, mm-hmm. or how good they are. I mean, they're just such an up and down team. I don't know the identity of that defense just yet after what they allowed Russell Wilson to do this past weekend. That one is always tricky with me, so I think you have to split with them, and I think that that starts with getting a win at home this weekend. One of the things that is going in Chicago's favor, because I agree about beating Chicago if you really want to make this happen and getting a win against Green Bay. I mean, I think that your short answer could just be take care of the NFC North in order to win the division, that they're going to have to do It's just no that. easy task. Right. Like, I'm trying to be realistic about it. I'm looking at Chicago's schedule and they have games on their slate that are just guaranteed wins. Mm-hmm. It, like, if you lose, it would be stunning, which, well, to one of these teams, Minnesota lost, so it's possible. They go to Buffalo this week, and Buffalo is going to start Nathan Peterman. So that one could be a 20-point win. Or Trail Pryor. He signed as a wide receiver, right? Mm-hmm. Well, he's and, their but, best I quarterback mean, now. You watch what they did against Brady last night. I mean, well, their defense is pretty defense good. pretty good, and they're going to be going against Mitchell Trubisky. How are they going to score any points? Like Nathan Peterman's going to be their quarterback against probably the best defense in the NFL in Chicago. Now they're not going to score any points. So let's just say that's an easy win against Buffalo. They face Detroit twice still, and if Detroit 
if their heart's not in it, Chicago can beat them. They also have Giants and they have San Francisco on their schedule. Now, when you look at the Vikings schedule in comparison, the only game where you would say, oh, yeah, that's definitely mark it down if they lose it stunning is Miami, Miami, Mm -hmm. right? And even then, Miami has their moments. But the rest is Detroit, Chicago, Green Bay, so three straight NFC North games. At New England, at Seattle, you mentioned that earlier. That is an incredibly difficult back-to-back games. And then they end with Detroit and Chicago again. I I think that they have it. it, You're focusing on the schedule and the division. I I think that this is really an uphill battle for this team, that they're going to be very much tested. They took care of the easy teams on their schedule outside of Buffalo, but now it's pretty much all tough teams the rest of the way unless Detroit just mails it in. And that's what you expect. Obviously, with schedule makers, they want this mm-hmm. um, you know, from the league office, but the way that the Vikings schedule, and this is why back in July on my vacation in Colorado, I clapped back at somebody. I was very irritated because everybody was acting like my pick of the Packers winning the division was so outlandish negative. and just negative and awful. I'm like, look at their schedule. Just look at it. I mean, they they started out with a fairly relatively okay. You know, you you have San Francisco week one at home win. You look at the Green Bay game. You didn't know what Aaron Rodgers would look like coming out of that debut. Obviously, you see what he did against Chicago. Okay, I marked that down as a loss. And then they tie. And then you should have a win there against Buffalo. And then you have a stretch that's the Rams and the Eagles. And that's that's kind of your first really, really tough stretch. So, then you kind of have all right. It's the it's the Cardinals then, and then it's the Jets. You're going downward a little bit, and then you go back up. I mean, it's just constantly been we little tiny break here, long stretch of very hard teams. Little tiny break here, another stretch of really hard teams. And their division schedule, the way that these games are lined up, do, does not do them any favors. Yes, there's a buy in the middle of this there, but they have to start back out a very tough stretch or pick back one back up. In Chicago, in a place they have typically not played very well, and as I said with Judwin on this last segment, they're one interception away from losing that game last year. Mm -hmm. And that is just, I mean, that is typically what happens in these Chicago games. They're, they go, they typically one play that'll just, just derail the whole thing for the Vikings, and they got lucky. In 2016, it was uh, like the second play from scrimmage yes. when Jordan Howard had a huge run, and then it all seemed to be... Uh, and people not dropping their hips in space. Yeah, I know. That's always a problem. Uh, let's go to uh, Jeff in Texas here. How's it going tonight, Jeff? Good. What's up? So What's the, on your mind? So the, the, the whole uh, digs stopping the route thing, mm-hmm. and um, so what encouraged me with my rose purple colored glasses on is what I what I liked what I saw was after that happened that they were talking afterwards mm-hmm. cousin wasn't sitting over on the bench and digs over at the other end they were actually communicating but in, and like you said it takes weeks and weeks and weeks of an NFL season for guys to get in sync and I'm okay I think I, I texted a buddy we got to sweep the bear we got to beat Seattle sweep the bears our only chance to the playoffs, I think, is, is to win in the division. Um, I mean, the wild card might be there, but even so, I mean, I'm diehard, bleed purple, born and raised on them. If we don't make the playoffs this year, I'm, I mean, I'm totally optimistic about the next two years. Those, and I know the Cousins bashing is, is I shouldn't call it bashing with the criticisms, but there's he he makes throws that quarterbacks for the last 20 years wouldn't even have tried that he drops in on dimes on Thielen and Diggs and it's just I think there's a lot more positive there even with him 
throwing the ball backwards into the ground. <laughs> so let me, let, let me ask you just real quick, Jeff. Um, just when it comes to this team, what is your confidence level that they can win the NFC North? I, I know that you just said you're a uh, purple rose-colored glasses, but the schedule is pretty tough. There's an argument to say that they did not beat the teams in the big games that they've had, the Rams and the Saints, but they also didn't get murdered by either one of those two teams either. Yeah, but they and they, but but they could have. They could have easily beat the Rams, and they should have beat the Saints. And I think it was Phil that was saying, if it, and it's not Thielen's fault. If he doesn't fumble, we win that game. But some of that stuff I put on coaching. And who was it? Was it Lattimore or somebody in his in his uh, press conference that said, "Man, it was a dogfight." And then in the third quarter, Cam Jordan, yep. yeah, Cam Jordan. Sorry, yeah, like oh, they had that one mistake, and everybody just. That somebody, some some leader needs to come in there, whether it's uh, Diggs or Thielen or or, uh, or Cousins, the coaches. Somebody's got to. That shouldn't have been the end of it. The, the, it shouldn't have been a deflation out of there. The Bears, I agree with you, Courtney. I don't think they're. I don't think they're for real. I think, but we got to beat them, I and we got to beat the stinking Detroit team. But at least it's <laughs> not there anymore. Awesome. Thank you, Jeff, for the call. We appreciate, appreciate it. Um, one thing I want to jump back on what Jeff said. There are throws, I agree with that, that Kirk Cousins has made that we think about the tight window throw to send him to overtime where he's been able to kick it into another gear. Mm -hmm. And that's something that they just didn't feel confident Case Keenum could do at a consistent level. I mean, how many times are we talking about the horseshoe and miracle plays and things like that with Case Keenum's tenure? You expect that out of a guy like Kirk Cousins, but you don't expect some of the things that we've seen where it just seems like there's a... A, not, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not perception, just a, a processing issue almost. Like mm-hmm. I'm, how, for, for as testy as Mike Zimmer got about the question the other night about his clock management and uh, you know the hurry-up situations, and Kirk the same way, they have not been very successful at two-minute drives, and that's that's you can pin that on coaching, you can pin that on Kirk, you can pin that on play calling. Is it fair to say, and, and I tweeted this out after the game that uh, on Sunday night, that Kirk is very good, but there's just times where instinctively there are things that are just missing from his game. Like when something goes wrong, we know the offensive line has issues, but if everything hits the fan on the offensive line, can Kirk still make a play and make something happen when things are not going perfectly for him? Sometimes not, but it's not an all the time thing. Right. That's just what you, but that's what you get with him. That's what you expected to get with him. It's it's such a unique and specific way of handling certain pressure and things like that for Kirk, yeah. where there are times, and I was watching this back last night on the coaches' film, where Cam Jordan is about to smack him in the yep. mouth, and he gets the throw off, and it's a great throw. And you're like, wow, man, he stood in there right in that pocket and made that throw. But what you're talking about is the ability to really move and go off script and do the things that Rodgers does or Cam Newton does or Russell Wilson does or John Elway did the best of all time, I think. Those things we don't see from him, and that can often be the difference. There was a play Mm -hmm. that uh, Carson Wentz made on Sunday against the Jags where he just made this spectacular play that was very athletic and, and, you know, he does that too. That's the one thing that's missing, and sometimes it actually turns into it going worse 
where it's an interception or something like that when he's on the move and trying and trying to run around and there's the situational things. But I I think you know Courtney, where the fans are in a tough spot is what are you supposed to do about it? Like when we sit here and say that, and you're right, Manny, and you're right with the thing that you're talking about with certain situations and and so forth, and the clock management and all the numbers we've studied, the third downs he's not particularly good at. But if you're a fan, you're probably listening to these conversations and going, what are we supposed to do? I mean, he's the quarterback for the next three years, and he's good. The only thing, if you're someone like Jeff who called in, the only thing you can really do is say, let's just hope that some of those issues get resolved, right? I I almost feel bad for... just hope it doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, I I almost feel bad for people who are in that position who, even if they're not disagreeing, like even if they understand some of the shortcomings, are like, what are you supposed to do about it? But I don't think you expect it to continually, for the price you're paying for him, to happen over and over and over again if you're a fan, which is why I do think there is part of this... Um, you know, this group of Viking supporters who understand that, yes, this is the hand you're dealt, but there's other areas that are not pulling their weight. And some of it is just, you know, based on injuries. And, you know, of course, we keep going back to the offensive line that that's, I think, a major site of frustration. I know that I get that question multiple times a day about the offensive line and mm-hmm. why they haven't addressed it and why it continues to go. Um, why can the makeup continues to look the way it is right now? This Purple Live, Matthew Collar, along with ESPN's Courtney Cronin, Manny Hill producing. We will be joined by Viking safety Anthony Harris in about 10 minutes. Um, I'm going to, so the reason that I mentioned fans being frustrated by this, I'm going to ask you the most annoying question that I can come up with okay. when we come back about Kirk Cousins, the quarterback situation. I have thought of if you're going to the water cooler tomorrow and you want to annoy your Viking fan friends. This is the question that you ask them. We'll be back. They lose in Philly. Maybe not, but it was Linval Joseph running a touchdown back on a fumble that really helped. And at the goal line, a fumble by Philly. So assuming they beat themselves, the record's probably the same. Maybe. I would take my, uh, if someone approached me at the water cooler with that, I'd just bring my own Brita and I'd sit at my desk. That's a conversation (laughs) I don't know if I want to get into. Um, I understand your point. He wouldn't have been able to lead them to, to overtime to get them there with those types of throws and that comeback, um, you know, from halftime in Green Bay. But he also might not have been in that situation to do it in the first place. So I think in 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 Buffalo or against Buffalo, he would have been able to sense pressure. He wouldn't have been in that situation where he's you know getting sacked and, and losing the ball because he would have already escaped. I think that there's. The biggest difference, we talked about this, it's not mobility, it's not athleticism, it's sensing pressure, and it's the internal clock of timing that, that to me, when we were looking at Case Keenum, Sam Bradford, Kirk Cousins, Teddy Bridgewater, that was one of the deciding, one of the biggest deciding factors of what was different between them. I think something that's really fun about this year's Vikings team is how many what-if conversations that you can have. Uh, about the off-season decision to sign Kirk Cousins and and just where that's going to go. But over the next eight weeks, we will find out. So now we are going to welcome into the show, Purple Live, our first Viking player ever on the show, Anthony Harris, safety for the Vikings. Anthony, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. All right, Anthony, so tell me, this year you have stepped into a role here with Andrew Sandejo being out, so you've played a little more than you've played in the past. How have you felt like you have handled that, and where do you think the defense is overall? Uh, I feel like I've uh, handled it pretty well. Um, in the past, um, you know, uh, Sandejo or whenever Harris and those guys, um, 
missed a little bit of time. Um, I've got my number called. So I've just learned in the past that, you know, you always want to stay prepared, um, stay, stay in tune with the game plan and, and what we're trying to get done going into each week because, um, you know, you never know when you can get called up or, or get pulled in to play a little bit more defensively. Anthony, uh, oh, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you there. Um, One thing I thought was interesting, Anthony Barr saying yesterday at his locker, Coach Zimmer, you know, after echoing the Saints game, that it's a good performance defensively. You hold Drew Brees to 120 yards passing. He's dinking and dunking his way to a 30-point win. But Barr had kind of mentioned that, you know, you just don't feel that great because you didn't get the win. What what do you take away from the way that, I mean, obviously you played 92% of snaps um, against the Saints. What do you take away from the defensive performance of how you were able to contain Drew Brees in that game? Um, we were able to do a few things. Uh, we were able to, you know, get to him on a, on a few occasions. Um, we were able to limit limit some of the big plays that uh, they were able to, you know, try to get against us. So I think overall we, we did a, a pretty good job of, you know, not giving up big plays. Um, you know, rallying to the ball, trying to get a number of guys to the ball carriers. Um, but we just got to do a better job of not uh, hurting ourselves with penalties. And that's that's defensively, but that's just as a team as overall as well, too. Anthony, I'm, I'm curious about the depth on this defense and how you've seen it grow over the past couple of years. I mean, you're a big part of that, but also Holton Hill steps in in that game and plays very well. Guys who didn't expect to get a chance, and they're in there, and they're doing it. And, and maybe we just didn't notice, Anthony, because no one got hurt last year, it seemed like. Everybody, uh, everybody was in except for maybe the one game Andrew got suspended or the one game Everson missed, but aside from that, and then this year there's there's more injuries, but what have you seen from some of the players that maybe fans weren't as familiar with, like yourself, Stephen Weatherly, and how they've been able to step into these roles? Um, I just think, you know, guys have just been, been able to, you know, stay focused. Um, obviously, you know, the front office has done a good job of, you know, identifying players that they think you know, have the talent to be able to step in in cases, um, you know, injuries or, or whatever that may be. Um, but I think guys have done a good job of just embracing the role, you know, being a good teammate. Um, you know, obviously the veterans have done a good job of, you know, grooming the younger guys they come in. Um, you had a guy like Terrence Newman who was very helpful with the secondary. And as you as you look in the other, you know, core fit, uh, positions, um, there's guys who take leadership in, you know, they're coaching up the young guys. The young guys are doing a great job of listening to the coaches as well as the veteran players and just continuing to develop. Um, so I think that over time, as guys gotten increased roles, um, they've just been able to take advantage of all the preparation that they've been putting in leading to that point. The last few weeks, the narrative that's out there is that this Vikings defense is back. It's back to where it was in 2017, all the little things and big things that made this team and this defense the number one defense in the NFL, um, that things had changed from weeks one through four. And the, and the common theme and the common word we'd heard in the locker room is that things have been simplified, that you know the scheme, the way it is, that, they've been, that you guys have been able to find ways to kind of just mitigate some of the issues that popped up in weeks one through four. What to you is the biggest change that you've seen from weeks five through weeks eight? Um, I think guys have, you know, just went out there and tried to focus on playing football. Um, you know, we're, we're not out there really, you know, chasing to be um, the defense from last year. You know, we're just looking to go out there and, and play really good team football. And that, that takes all 11 guys out there on the field. Um, so everyone's been focusing on, you know, 
going out there doing their individual job at a high level and then you know hoping that if everyone does their job that we'll end up with the results that we want so we've just been focusing on that uh, focusing on the fundamentals um, but as well as you know still trying to chase some of our goals which is you know being able to stop the run um, limit you know giving up big plays getting people in the third down creating turnovers and then getting off the field all right anthony tell me something about yourself here um every year courtney and i we cover training camp and we see all these guys come in and they're undrafted players and then they get cut and then another crop comes in the next time and every team has this going on there's 30 guys who come in, undrafted guys, and then they come and they go quickly. And yet you've been able to stick here and carve out a role for yourself and then become a key player who steps in. What is it that you did that made you stand out and then stick with this team? Because a lot of guys might make it for one year, but then they're gone the next, and now you've become a player who's got a real role on this team. Um, I think it was coming in, you know, um, you know, trying to carve out a role for yourself, you know, um, no matter the situation when you're coming into it, just coming into it with a positive mindset, um, just going out there each day, you know, proving to, you know, the, the players around you, yourself, the coaches in the organization, um, that you, you deserve the opportunity to give in, um, and that you're going to go out and earn it, um, every day and every year afterwards. So for me, it was just about, you know, knowing I have the talent, um, having the confidence in myself, um, and a little bit of an edge that, you know, I, yeah, I came in as a free agent, but that doesn't define me um, as a player and, and, and my capabilities um, in this league. So it's just going out there and proving people that, you know, that, I, that I'm a guy who can play. So I saw a video uh, on the Internet a few hours ago when I was doing some research for a radio show where you were at the Egan Pet Clinic and you were taken around, um, you were petting a very nice-looking poodle. Named Walter, um, Named Walter, yes, that's right. What did, was that, how did that come about? Did you, do you have animals? Do you have dogs? Do you want to be a vet? I know you're a sociology <laughs> major, so maybe that's kind of close to being a veterinary no, major. No, it's not. Not, not at all. No, not even a little bit. How'd you end up going to the no, vet? It was, it was just one of those things, you know, where, you know, the, as an organization, we wanted to go out there and, you know, you know, show appreciation for the, you know, different job fields. Um, so we got the opportunity to, to go into different fields and just experience um, what, the, what the other people do at, at their job um, on a daily basis. And for me, it was, you know, going there, visiting uh, the vet and, you know, checking out some of the animals there. I don't personally own a dog or any pets, um, but it's something I enjoy. Um, obviously, you know, with the season and, and traveling and different things, um, it's a little bit uh, tougher with time and things like that, but I definitely enjoy dogs, and whenever I can get around them um, and have time to interact with them, I always try to take time to do that. All right, Anthony, I have to then show you uh, my greyhound. I'll show you a picture of the greyhound. Maybe we can get you a greyhound at some point. They're very easy to adopt. I'll tell you all about it uh, tomorrow. Um, so d- d- who's got the best animal on the team? Like, who has the best dog or cat? Um, I'm not sure. Um, Harrison Dog, his dog is very energetic. So if you if you're someone who wants to, you know, get out in the yard and, and you know play play fetch for for a bit, um, I would probably say his dog is the the most energetic and exciting. You know, I was just telling him the other day um, that you know he might need to calm him down a little bit. But um, Kendrick's Kendrick's dog, his dog is is really nice. I believe it's a uh, he has a Frenchie. Um, but you know, it's one of those dogs where you know it looks nice. You can have fun, play with them, but at the same time, 
um, they, they won't take too much energy from you. Harrison Smith having an energetic dog is like the polar opposite of what I would expect considering he's such a mellow guy off the field. <laughs> at least um, around us. At least is. around us, yeah. So how excited were you when you find that you're going to be walking into this palatial estate of a practice facility that they put a cryo cryotherapy chamber in the training room. I know that you have a business in Richmond, Virginia, Cryorva, uh, that you opened recently. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. We've been open, we've been open a year now. What what do you get out of cryotherapy? I've done it a few times and I've been miserable doing it. <laughs> Absolutely miserable. Yeah, it's um, it's not it's not one of the you know things you're jumping to do. Um, you know, obviously the temperatures are pretty cold, but. Um, you know, you hop in in the cryo machine, it, it drops your core temperature down, um, you know, and it's forcing, it's forcing your body to heat itself up again. So um, that causes you to get more blood circulation. So it helps recovery, um, you know, getting fresh blood into, if you have an injury, just flushing that out, getting new blood in. Um, and as far as football lines, getting your body ready to go for the next day. But um, for some other people who, for my business person who use it, um, it has good effects for them as well. Um, a lady came in with diabetes, um, and she has, you know, poor circulation. So, um, that helps her. So different people use it for many different reasons. Some people use it as a post workout thing. Some people like to, you know, get in it before and just loosen up and get their body going a bit because it helps with mobility. We were told when we went on the tour of the entire facility in March that the chamber that the Vikings have, you can fit three players in there, two if you're going in with Linval. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the limit is when Limbo is popping in there. But yeah, the number of guys who get in there, we like to get in as a group. Um, guys usually, you know, pop on some music and we try to, you know, dance in there and move a little bit just to try to stay a little bit warm while we're going through the uh, session. I, th- I think that might be the best way, Anthony, that you can describe to the people of Richmond, Virginia, what it's like to be in Minnesota for the winter is basically going yeah. in here, right? Yeah, that 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 is, I, that'd be the closest thing to, you know, coming out in the middle of the winter, um, you know, having a little moisture on your nose, you know, start to freeze up a little bit in your nose hairs. Um, that's that's similar to the feeling that you get, you know, when you're in the machine for a second. All right, Anthony, let me uh, wrap up with this. You're facing another great, great quarterback. It seems like every week you are uh, in Matt Stafford. Tell me about your preparation as a safety when you know you've got a great quarterback on the other side. I'm, I'm sure that it's pretty similar for everybody, but Stafford does some really special things with his arm and his legs. So take us through what your process is like of scouting another team's offense and quarterback. Yeah, um, you know, obviously, you know, you got to know know who your opponent is. Um, you know, you want to know uh, who his favorite target is, uh, what he likes to do in certain situations. Um, as far as pass, um, you know, if you're a team who likes to pressure the quarterback, um, what some of his answers is going to be? What if you're going to pressure him? What is he going to do? Is he, is he going to run out of screens? Um, is he going to get the ball out quick? Um, so you got to kind of know those type of things as well as you got to know if he's a mobile guy who can escape the pocket. So that's a few things that we're going to just like take a look at this week in preparation, just seeing how we're going to attack them, um, you know, as a as a defense. All right, Anthony. Well, congratulations on being our first Viking guest here on our Purple Live show. We thank you very much for that. And you know what? I, I didn't expect to get dog scouting reports, but you did a great job with those two. You are you have a future in that in dog scouting. In dog scouting. <laughs> I'm, I can't thank wait to you, go talk you. to Eric Kendricks about his French bulldog. The dog after my own heart. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be looking to, you know, try to uh, babysit for him a little bit, get a little dog time with his dog, and give him back. You know what? I'll tell you, man. Before I actually got the dog, and I I hadn't had one since you know living with my parents as a kid, I hadn't had one on my own. I was nervous, and it took a little while. Like I had to babysit someone else's dog to make sure, like, okay, I won't kill it. I can get my own one. I can do this. So yeah. Got to go for those test runs. <laughs> yeah. All right. You might just have one at your locker in a day or two, that's, and then you just right. might have to figure it out. So um, it won't be us, though. It's not us. Uh, well, Anthony, awesome stuff. Always appreciate talking with you in the locker room, and uh, we will see you see you around. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Anthony Harris there, Minnesota Vikings safety, and we can safely say the best Vikings player guest we've ever had. The best. On the show. Number Bar one. Bar none. Number one. Easily. Literally the first. <laughs> <laughs> the first and best Purple Live guest. So we appreciate that. From Anthony, we're going to take a quick break. We will take a phone call here and talk some more about what we're looking for this week. Vikings and Detroit Lions. Purple Live, Matthew Collar, Courtney Cronin. And we don't have the distractions of a, a rookie kicker or, you know, some of the distractions that happened with Everson Griffin that were obvious things that made the defense a problem earlier. We're still a team built primarily on defense, and everything else is supposed to come after, even with an $84 million quarterback. So my question would be to you guys, a little round-robin around the table of what's going on in the rest of the conferences. I'm sorry, but I think every team is facing a ton of division opponents to finish finish their season, and that you see a lot of deceptive stuff with teams going out and beating ASC teams and teams in other uh, divisions. But everybody has this kind of schedule the Vikings got. I'll, uh, I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. I appreciate the call, Omar. Um, well, we went through the Bears. I don't think everybody has the same have... sort of schedule the Vikings have. I think that is not correct. I um, well, hang on. Let me pull up the, uh, the, the well, Packers. Of course, well, no, I mean, the Packers have a tough stretch, but you look at the rest of the division. The Bears certainly do not. The Lions certainly do not. The Packers just started their stretch. They have New England coming up. Mm-hmm. They just come off of the game at the Rams where they lose on that heartbreaker. I think the Vikings have the toughest schedule. Yes, they play the same opponents to, to, a, to a stretch. I mean, they all have the AFC. East this year. They have their conference, you know, their common conference opponents um, and several NFC West teams too. But I think that the Vikings by far have the toughest schedule. And I mean, when you look at strength of schedule earlier in the year, they were top five. Well, and that's just how the schedule is made is that when you win your division, you play other yes. division winners. That's how it's set up now. So we, Chicago had at least three games where we said, no way they lose, right? Like it'd be shocking if they lost because the opponents are so bad. San Francisco's in there. I forget the other two teams. The Giants were mm-hmm. in there. Buffalo. The Buffalo. Buffalo. That's right. This week. So that's three teams that if it would be mind blowing if they lost to. Same thing goes for the Packers. I mean, they've got Miami. It'd be surprising if they lost to Arizona. Comes up for them December second, and then they have the Jets on December twenty third. That's the thing about the Vikings and the difference in the schedules is the Vikings have Miami, and it would be very surprising if they lost to Miami at home. The rest are all good teams who are in the race, and that's what's gonna maybe determine this is just how good some of these other NFC North teams are. Cause I totally agree with what Omar's saying in that we still don't know on the other two NFC North teams that look really strong right now in Chicago and green Bay. It's just not certain because they have flaws too. I agree with that. And I think his point about right now, some of the issues that you see with the Vikings, I mean, yes, they're eight weeks in, this is a halfway point. They have a tough part of their stretch coming up, but I, I think we're, you know, in pumping the brakes on some of the issues that we've seen with the Vikings from Kirk Cousins to the defense giving up big plays, what happens if those things are still happening 
week 12 through 16 through through 17 when you're trying to close this thing out and win the NFC North if those things are still happening then I think that you're looking at this right now as a foreshadowing thing of we you know you don't want that to happen what's interesting to me about this season versus other seasons in how we look at it is I think in the past you might have gone okay four three and one and got a chance to win the North we'll see how it goes Whereas this season, it just was cranked up to a different level of expectation. So instead of talking about, okay, you know, it's this or it's that, and they've got this little problem or that little problem, but maybe we'll fix it. It's it's much more of how do they match up against the two best teams as opposed to how they even match up against the mediocre teams because that's where they were supposed to be. Yeah. And, you know, when we talk about how they played the Rams and how they played New Orleans, it's true that the final scores were not that big of a difference. But at one point in the game against the Rams, it's 28-17. And then you know, at another point, it's 31-20. So late in that game, it's 31-20. to And your chances are, are almost shot. And they did a great job to come back and have the ball only down uh, seven points. That, that they made plays and scored a touchdown. Uh, Adam Thielen had the big 45-yard touchdown pass. But... It's a two-score game against the Rams where late in the game they're beating you. And then it's 30-13 to 13 against New Orleans. Like, yeah, it's okay, you lost by 10, but at one point it's 30-13. to 13. So, I mean, they didn't exactly destroy you, but I think the closeness of the final scores aren't exactly reflective of where it was at one point in those games. At one point in those games, you reduced your win probability to almost zero. Yeah, and I mean, to go back to what you were saying about being 4-3-1 and one at this point... I don't think a lot of people saw them outside of those first five weeks being anything more than two and three. Mm-hmm. I know I didn't. So you take a look at what that is right there. And if you're taking a look at early playoff seating, I think, I mean, Kyle Rudolph was asked this question the other night. And I was actually very surprised to how he answered it, um, considering guys are typically not even talking about the mm-hmm. playoffs right now. But he was like, yeah, we're in a hole. Like, you know, and it was kind of, you know, yeah. to paraphrase, um, yeah, they're with the with the Rams and the Saints. I mean, the two teams, the top two teams, not even arguing that in the NFC, you know, you take losses to them. That puts you behind the eight ball considerably. I know Mike Zimmer said it's not a morgue. You know, he thought he thought it was a morgue in the postgame press conference the other night. And then yesterday reiterated that he still thinks he has a very good football team. I think they're a good football team as well. I mean, I don't think anybody's questioning that. It's just when you look at this stretch coming up in their win probability and what that does, you know, for playoff seating down mm-hmm. the road, you also have to take into consideration the rest of the NFC North and how that's going to play into it when you're looking weeks 15 through 17 when you're trying to button this thing up. Yeah, and and I think that the reason that we're talking about it this way, especially with, you know, some of the shortcomings and things like that, is because we know that the team is talented enough to this win is a this Super division. Bowl roster. It, right. That, that's Super what the roster, roster is. So that's what the ceiling of this team is. Uh, Manny, usually we end the show with your couple of things that we're looking for. Three questions. Mm-hmm. What do you got? Uh, well, we'll go with one here. Who on the Lions defense causes the most concern for the Vikings offense? I'm going to say Snacks Harrison. They have Snacks Harrison now. You just want to say it because of his name, his, although, no, he's a very good player. His Twitter is at Snacks. So it's weird to That's me. That's fantastic. That, isn't it? Like, who, who, has, awesome. who has at Snacks? He does. Guy's name is Snacks. Uh, no, But I really do think he does because he's a very good nose tackle, and the Vikings have created rushing yards up the middle over the last few weeks, but they haven't faced a guy like this who can really impact the game. 
So I'm going to go with Snacks Harrison. I'm going to go with Darius Slay. I think he's been playing really well as of recently. I mean, he's caused this team problems before. He's not, you know, he's never really in that conversation among the elite of the elite of the top corners. But I think that he's done really well against the Vikings in years past. I mean, this is a team that gives them fits. Um, you know, quite a bit. But, I mean, if, if he's coming, I mean, I think he was injured um, this past week and he finally participated back in practice. So if you've got a healthy, you know, healthy Darius Slay probably shadowing, you know, if he's going to fo- I don't know if he'll follow Thielen in the slot. Maybe you stick him on digs the whole game. I mean, that's a tough matchup. I just love that we have players in the NFL named Snacks mm-hmm. Harrison and Taco Charlton. That's oh, just, yeah. Well, Taco's Taco is his real like, name, Yeah, right? I mean, he's like 7-1. Seven, 7-1? One. Seven, one? Isn't he? Isn't he seven foot? No. I'm thinking of Taco, the guy in the NBA. Taco, what's his name? Hold on. Let me look this there's up. A, there's a guy in the NBA. There are two people named Taco? I think they're spelled differently. Well, there used to be, a, I think, a wide receiver who played for the Seahawks. I think his name was Taco Wallace. Taco Fall, but I don't think it's really, it's not spelled like Taco, like Taco Bell, like Cheesy Gordita Crunch. It's T-A-C-K-O, Fall. <laughs> That's fantastic. Okay, he went to UCF. Uh, question number two. Manny. <laughs> Are we going to see any more Brandon Zilstra? Because I'm asking this for myself because I'm over Laquan Treadwell right now. So I'm just wondering if we're going to see any more Brandon Zilstra at all. I say possible. More Aldrick Robinson. Aldrick Robinson. Yeah. I mean, look at his catch to a touchdown ratio. He's playing pretty. He is what they wanted for that number three position where it can be the occasional. You know, a guy who has probably like four or five targets go to him a game, maybe, but he's that stretch the field threat that, you know, can be that vertical threat you need in certain situations, especially I, on fourth down, apparently, and uh, against the Jets. I can't help but wonder how many more chances Treadwell gets to make mistakes like he he did, because if they if the ball's at the 33, there's a good chance you're holding Breeze to a field goal, but you move him 15 more yards, and it's just like guaranteeing him a touchdown. And on fourth and one, I mean, you it wasn't the best pass, but you, because it was high, but you got to catch that. Yes, he, he could have made a play on the fourth that. and one, too. He won, the, he won his route initially, and I think Lattimore did make a good play, but you got to win that. Carl, Question number worry. three. I've, I've given us an extra two minutes before the end of the show, okay. so we're, we're good. Uh, can the Vikings make the playoffs without winning the division? Hmm. As much of a cluster as the rest of the league is, I say it's possible. possible. But you, know, you look at Seattle, like they're not first, and Carolina, they're not in first place either in their division. That's where the battle would exist, and Seattle looks pretty good at four and three. Carolina is rolling, so I say tough. I say well, okay. Now, if we're looking where the tie, I hate this tie so much because, like, (laughs) where does this play in? Like, are they a half game ahead or behind? Or like, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be such a mess. Well, then, okay. So I I've got time to take the call. Then Manny, yeah, you're telling me. All right, what's up, Danny? Hey, how's it going, guys? Doing good. Um, Hey, good, good. Uh, Two quick questions for you. one is uh, Murray has uh, Murray's been talked about as a kind of a cut candidate potentially after the season, um, given sort of the cap space. Uh, is that still true, given uh, the production, um, sort of his production, and then um, Cook's un- unreliability? That's my first question. And then second one, uh, buy or sell, ten five and one wins the division. Cool. Um, I think I'm. Thank you, Danny. I think I'm gonna. I'll answer the second one. I'll take the first one. I, I think I'm gonna sell ten wins. I think that's going to be tough. I think that is tough. I, I would I would say eight or nine, and then we'll have to see how the rest of the division plays. Well, you to, answer the first one. To recap Murray's contract situation, when they restructured him in March, the same day that... Recap? Co- like a salary cap? Well, yes. Is that what you mean? That's not what I meant, but okay. okay. Um, 
to get to Danny's question, they so they deleted the last year of his contract because originally he came here on that three year, fifteen million dollar deal. Um, that's what it was, at least on paper. So I think he's, you know, going into the season, you think, okay, Murray's back, you get Dalvin Cook back, but Murray's your really good secondary option if he's, you know, coming if Mur- if Cook's coming back slow. But now you look at this, and you're like, he's been an incredible asset. Where would they be without him right now? So I think that there might be that conversation down the line, depending upon, you know, when Dalvin Cook does come back this year. Okay, it's it's Latavius Murray, somebody that, you know, do we really feel confident in Mike Boone and Rock Thomas that they're going to be able to take the take the the load share, um, you know, from for Dalvin Cook next year that they could part ways with him. But, um, you know, he's a free agent. That's that's what the contract, what they restructured it, that he became a free agent in 2019. So if he's not re-signed by March, whatever it is, I mean, he hits the open market. All right. Can we find six wins here? Over the next nine weeks or eight weeks, that, I, that's what it would take to go to ten five and one. Can we? All right. So let's say they beat Detroit. Can they beat Detroit twice? No. Okay. Split with Detroit. Split with Chicago. Fair. I still think they need to win in so both. I mean, there's two losses right away. So, so are you going to beat then Green Bay, New England, Seattle? Seattle's a tricky one. I just don't know yet. Like, I, I mean, I, I give them a loss right now in, in New England and. You know, when I was projecting this out, I still picked back in April. I figured Seattle, no matter how difficult a team they are, that is a tough place to play. Look at how the Rams played them. Yeah, I think it's really tough to find six out of eight here, especially with that that three-game, you know, go on the road to New England and then go all the way back across the country to Seattle. Whoever made that one uh, was not happy with the Vikings, right? <laughs> like, that, I mean, that's really tough. That's the same thing they did going to L.A. and then all the way back across the country to face Philadelphia, and they split those two games, which was, which I mean, was big had, for them. They had 10 days rest, though. That's true. That's true. And in this situation, they won't. No, so. they come right off of the Packers game at home on Sunday Night Football, straight into the week where they're heading to New England and then to Seattle. I think that's going to be... Very tough. I think nine. I think nine is the number. And then it will depend on what everyone else does. Thanks for the call, Danny and others who called. And Anthony Harris, who is officially our best guest ever from among Viking players. Number one. All right. And thanks, Manny, for producing. We'll catch you next time on Purple Live. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.